Welcome to Your Money with DeWitt Capital Management, a show about investing, the markets, life, and everything in between. David DeWitt Jr. and Sr. and Scott Frank will share what they've been reading and listening to and what the trends are in the market. All opinions expressed in the show are solely the opinions of Dave, Dave, and Scott or any guest on the show and do not reflect the opinions of DeWitt Capital Management. All content within the podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decision-making. Lots of selling going on in the market, especially in anything that's been doing really, really well. We've seen this story before. Let's talk through it. So this morning we had jobs number. It came in higher than expected. Non-farm payrolls increased by 379,000 jobs in February, and the unemployment rate was 6.2%. The estimate was for 210,000 new jobs. So a lot of this hiring came from the hospitality sector, which saw 355,000 new jobs. So that's a big chunk of the new jobs, right? Um, and construction and mining saw small declines. We are in a period now, pretty much officially, where good economic news is bad news for the market, especially growth of stocks. Uh, why does this happen? Well, when you're at, at the most fundamental level, if you're a growth stock, um, a lot of times you access the capital markets for growth, including debt. If rates go higher, your debt is more expensive, your growth may be hindered. Um, also, as rates go higher, that means that when you are valuing a company's earnings, you are applying a higher risk-free rate discount rate to those earnings. So if you discount back to the present, uh, the present value of the earnings is less. So there is a revaluation that occurs when the rates go higher. So that's part of the story here. Let's see what else do we have causing the selling. Over the past 12 months, retail participation in the market has gone up straight up. And that means in a lot of the things that retail has been buying, which is a lot of the momentum, a lot of the hot stocks, a lot of the stocks you hear about on social media and all of that, They'll be the first to go. Um, and retail is, generally speaking, I'm not speaking about everyone because I know a lot of people that are bosses, um, means weaker hands and they start panicking and selling. There's going to be shorts now that have been waiting for, for this moment to pile on. This further increases the supply available in the market and they're looking to sell at any price. The goddess herself, Kathy Wood, her funds, which saw historically large you know massive inflows um last year and all the way up into the beginning of this year is starting to see big outflows um her shine is wearing off for the whole time being and this increases supply in a lot of the stocks that have gone up the most that a lot of people are in um and then you know what starts it started it all was an overreaction to inflation fears also, what's creating more supply in these particular high-flying stocks is the rotation that's incurring. You know, last I checked today, as on Friday, as of 11, 10 a.m., the XLE energy ETF is up 2%. Um, so there you go. And really, actually, as I'm talking right now, the market is um, 
Last I checked, the S&P 500 was actually flat, but ARKK, Kathy Wood's you know, flagship ARK fund, was down 5%. So as you can see, the big divergence there. This all adds up to a moment in time where there's a huge supply-demand imbalance, where there's wholesale selling in certain a certain pocket of stocks, which admittedly are were the most bubbly sort of stocks. Doesn't mean they're bad companies or bad stocks, but the wholesale selling all at once. And wholesale selling, just like when you buy in bulk or you sell in bulk, you're commanding a lower price or you're buying a lower price. We had this jobs number. Keeping it in perspective, we would have to have this jobs number every single month until Q4 2022 to get to where we were before COVID. It's a pretty long time um, to get to full employment. And a lot of people would argue that we're not going to see any potential for crazy inflation until there's full employment. As we've talked on previous podcasts, there's still a lot of deflationary pressures. Technology, an aging baby boomer population, um, high government debt, um, which means less capacity for spending. There are deflationary pressures that are, that are systemic in the system. And the inflationary pressures is the increased money supply, higher um, raw materials prices, um, higher commodity prices. There is some inflationary pressure, but a lot of this is going to be has been because of COVID and will also be transitory and will be transitory in the other sense in which we're coming off of a low base. So when COVID happened, prices plummeted, right? And now as we lap that, as we lap that situation, um, we're going to see high percentage increases in inflation and prices, but that's transitory. And after that happens, we'll likely level off at a level which is probably higher than it has been, but Likely not the worst case scenario of runaway hyperinflation. So back to the market. As we have said before, a high-flying complacent market where many people think nothing can go wrong, it never takes much to mess things up. It's usually pretty subtle. Uh, rates moved higher over the past few weeks until the 10-year got close to the S&P 500 dividend yield when the market woke up and said, oh, whoa, the 10-year is now going to be competitive with you know, my S&P 500 index funds dividend. And the market had a little panic. Then when the rates backed off, the markets melted up. Then Powell yesterday, Thursday the 4th, said they will be patient with rates. So now we're in a period where the market's going to be, and I wrote about this in my latest February, um, February overview, market's going to basically be hyper-focused on every word muttered out of Jerome Powell's mouth. If he acts, if he sounds even, if he makes any hint whatsoever, no matter how subtle it may be that plans could change, the market's going to react. And when he said patient, that is subtly saying that, 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 that is subtly saying that he intends to not necessarily do nothing. So high flying tech stocks have sold off the hardest. Um, I'm 30 and you know, my some of my personal investments are some of these high-flying stocks. They've been hit the hardest. I look up and down my my stock radar. I see 10% plus down day for a, a big host of them. They've been the biggest winners over the past year. 
I see comments on social media where people say, where maybe they've bought into some of these stocks. I'm not going to name names, but just think what you have you heard about on social media and anything that has been up, you know, 200, 300% in 2020. Just think of a stock that's up 200, 300% in 2020. See someone who posts who bought the stock maybe a month ago. I just doubled up my position because I thought a stock is supposed to only correct 10 to 20 percent when a stock was up 200 to 300 to 400 to 500 to 600 percent 10 to 20 percent is nothing unless you're looking at a chart of the stock literally over the last month you zoom out even a little bit and you'll see that wow that's pretty modest Um, this is the nature of the beast when you're investing in smaller technology companies that have awesome stories awesome plans for the future but when they've been bit up and they've gone into some pretty lofty territories um. Yeah, no, 30-40% is pretty normal, or quite normal. I mean, you see this, it's quite normal, and that's where we're at. And so, what I'm trying to say is, at some point, so COVID happens, and the market figures out that a lot of stocks are going to benefit, a lot of companies are going to benefit, a lot of technological trends are going to get pulled forward or going to accelerate, and they're going to benefit. The trade begins. Your stocks, your Zooms, your DocuSigns, your Pelotons, uh, they go higher. They keep going higher, they keep going higher, they keep going higher. At some point, the fundamental benefit of the move transfers, it morphs into sort of momentum where now it becomes... Sort of like uh, Newton's law, what's in motion stays in motion. It keeps going higher, it keeps going higher. And naturally, the momentum turns into greed. Um, And I think a lot of people, anyone who's bought some of these stocks during the period in the larger, grander scheme, in the greed phase, in the greed phase, are likely feeling the pain the most right now. And it's understandable, and maybe it's the first time they've experienced this this pain of watching, you know, the money that you've invested, your hard-earned money that you've invested in a company, your stock, or an ETF, or fund, or whatever it may be, to go down so much so fast. And this is when we really start to see the biggest mistakes investors make really come up. So. I just urge anyone who's feeling the pain to just take a deep breath, think carefully about their situation, think about what you bought, why you bought it, do you think it's going to do well over the next five years, do you have five years, do you need that money now? So let's just assume that you have a long-term time horizon. Think carefully. Uh, We are in a market that's shooting lower. Just like how markets overshoot up, they overshoot down, and like I mentioned in the t- at the top of the show, um, there's a lot of factors that can that are resulting in a lot of selling all at once. Just like how all the selling happened at once during COVID, the initial COVID crash. There's a lot of selling at once now. You have a lot of unwinding to do. All the retail that bought, unwinding, they're selling. People that had ARC. Big arc profits, they're selling. Anyone who just has big profits and wants to lock them in, they're selling. 
there's the rotation, like I said. Um, and the point is, the point is, don't just sell because you're in a panic, really. I can't tell you how many times I've made this mistake. If you're if you bought something and it's down 30-40% and you and you really think through it and you really like the company, just try not to do anything drastic. Um, cuz it doesn't mean what you own is bad that it's down that much. In fact, it probably means it's a it was a really good story. It is a good story. It was doing really really well. It doesn't mean and now we're in a situation where like I said the market's going to hang its head on every word Jerome Powell said. Um, inflation, you know, it is a risk. I mean, it's, it's a risk to equities because the higher the inflation, the more the rates will have to go higher from the Fed to curtail the inflation. And it means it means a higher rates and it means lower prices for equities because bonds are now competitive. Um, it is a risk, but, you know, we've been studying this pretty carefully and there's a lot of competing pressures and, the out, and, and when you have a lot of competing pressures, a lot of time the outcome is somewhere in the middle. Not the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario. My personal expectation, this is going to this is going to resolve itself. It's been a pretty nasty correction for the high flyers. Um, and if anything, you should be looking to potentially scoop some some things up at at prices that are 20, 30, 40, even 50 percent lower than from what they were on on Monday or Tuesday. I mean on I had a, I have a, one of my favorite stocks that it's 52 week high on on Tuesday and it's it's down 30% from that on today on Friday. My your natural inclination shouldn't be to shouldn't be to sell now. If you were, you know, what's your time horizon? Long term? Well, if you're investing in technology stocks that have long-term trends that they're going to be benefiting from, you're going to have high peaks, high valleys all on the way. It's just nature of the beast. It's the nature of investing up the risk scale, and it's it's and 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 how do you and there's a lot of different ways to to define risk. Um, I tend to define risk in a different way than a lot of people do. Um, if you're investing in, let's say you're you are investing in Kathy Woods ETF, Ark, A R K K. Is her fund risky? If you look through all the names that she owns, they're companies that have defined plans for the future, have massive growth, are investing in areas that are going to be the future, right? So in one sense, you can argue that over over a 20-year time period, investing her in her fund is less risky than investing in the S&P 500. But for a lot of people, especially people who are closer to retirement, who have short-term time horizons, it's more risky because of volatility. And at the end of the day, money is what's important to achieving you know, your targets, and you can't withstand huge downturns in the short term. So there's lots of different ways to define risk, um, and the the real definition of risk. I mean, it is volatility, right? So you know, if if, if your ETF or your stock goes down ten percent in one day, there's a lot of risk in that. But if you just take 
if you if you understand your time horizon and you take and you and you take volatility with a grain of salt, knowing knowing full well what you own and what the future holds for what you own, then it it becomes less risky in, in practicality because you're not getting all you know all up in a fuss because of what's going on, um, and you're able to withstand the volatility and just keep your eyes downfield. And keeping your eyes downfield is so important in, in investing, long-term investing. So so important. Always keep your eyes downfield. You tell you know someone someone texted me and said, "Gosh, I'm just so greedy in this market." And this person's 34 years old. I'm just so greedy. Why did I just sell everything? Well, I'm like, buddy, what's your time horizon? You know, when do you need this money? He goes, you know, 20 years. Okay. So, so then I say, what are you? Are you a are you a swing trader? Are you a long term investor? Like, what is your like? What are you? And he's like, well, I'm just an investor, or I just, you know, I, I own these for the long term. So I'm like, okay. So then, what are you saying? Like, what are you complaining about? You know, there's no need to get cute. There's no need to get cute. If you own things that you like, you understand for the future, you have long-term time horizon, you just own it. You own it. You want to keep some dry powder on the side for to buy some stuff when there's discounts? Yeah, that's a great strategy. Don't call yourself greedy and say, why didn't I sell? Well, I mean, just keep your eyes downfield. Downfield, downfield, downfield. So important. So my personal expectation, this is going to resolve itself quickly. Where this market has, has shown itself to be in a rush to get where it's going, especially on the downside. It doesn't want to doesn't want to lollygag the downside. It wants to get to the downside, get to its new level, stabilize, and then we'll go back and we'll talk again. All right. In the meantime, just hang in there. This will be over before you know it. And guess what? I'm talking about the high flyers. Some stuff isn't getting hurt that bad. We're going to get to our new level. It's probably going to overshoot down. There's probably going to be a little bit more pain ahead. Always expect a little bit more pain. Don't get your hopes up for anything miraculous recovery right away, but everything's going to be okay. This will settle itself out. And just don't do anything drastic. Thanks for listening. If you want a question highlighted on the show or have any comments or feedback, shoot us an email at yourmoneydoit at gmail.com. See you on the next one.